This is Unfilter, episode 90, for March 19th, 2014. Good evening, I'm Brett Baer. It's the boldest move by Russia in decades, and a dark day in Eastern Europe as Russia moves officially to annex Crimea, shrugs off sanctions, and at least one person dies fighting. All this as American diplomats talk tough. Coming up on this week's episode of Unfilter, Putin's next move is revealed, showing once again he's two steps ahead of Obama and the world. But what is his endgame and how far will the U.S. go? Are we witnessing the launch of the next Cold War as Russia digs in, the U.S. doubles down on their toothless bite? We'll discuss. And while the corporate media capitalizes on a lost flight, Edward Snowden makes another public appearance this time with a much more polished message. We'll look at Snowden's changing role in the NSA debate and discuss the outrageous new leaks that came out this week. Plus your feedback, our follow-up, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. Welcome to Unfilter, episode 90 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the always excellent Mr. Chase. You know, Chris, I will be watching television on, actually, at 1 a.m. this morning, or tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, Pacific time. Because Major League Baseball is going to be in Australia, they're playing. Chase, at the, they're I'm playing. Already... They're playing at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. <laughs> the, 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 it's, it's, it's a the big what? deal. The Melbourne Cricket Ground. <laughs> That's awesome. The MCG. Let me tell you something. I already told you. You don't have to. It's the, the purpose of this show is yeah. not to make you not watch TV. No, no, no. It's I, just I to watch... make. It's to it's to take care of the stuff that you don't want to have to watch, so you can watch the stuff you do want to watch. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. We need to clear that. We're up. clearing the we're clearing the decks for you, Chase, so that you can that way your TV time yeah. is spent on watch, games, watching things that you are interested in. Yeah, games. Yeah. I almost forgot it was episode ninety. Like I like like I started to do the intro and I was like, what ninety? It's unbelievable to me. That 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 that, that, that blows my mind. You you know that means we're ten away from one hundred. One hundred, and then we got to get our traffic copter. That's that's too soon. Was that too soon? Sorry, I'm sorry. Actually, that. no, that's not too soon because it's not a traffic copter. They actually, Paul Tosh uses a plane. But people that didn't listen to the pre-show have no idea. They have what no we're idea what we're about. talking so, about. So, uh, guess what, Chase? Big show today. No, big show. I don't believe you. Uh, we have a few things to cover in our, are the categories in which we strive at covering to something or other. And one of them is is the NSA. That's something we have been on for weeks now. Wait, uh, don't we have a special NSA? Oh, yeah. 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 I uh, didn't load it. Oh. Sorry. I have. I could do something else for you, though. What's oh, that? my gosh. It's Anderson Cooper. Uh, we, we just lost uh, 20 subscribers just I, now. We, I know. We just lost 20. People hate it. Hate it when I do that. They you know why? Because you're not... You're taking a, you're taking a serious situation, Chris, and... <laughs> that was nothing serious. That was Anderson Cooper coming on set to meet Cher. There's nothing serious about that Wait, at all. really? Yes. He So, in the, in the studios that Cooper works at... Why are we was, talking about this? You brought it up. No, no, no. I wasn't talking about that. I wasn't uh, talking about... 
the 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 purpose of playing the clip, not the the why for playing it. Oh. The why for playing the clip is to uh, bring light into a serious situation. Yes. The serious yeah. situation right. meaning right. NSA. <laughs> we need to really stop doing this. This is a serious show, Chris. All right. Well, let me ask you this. I I don't know how serious this is anymore. Did you see Edward Snowden at uh, the TED conference uh, this week? Whoa, he, he, they found him, he came in, and he flew in, and he's here? Kind of. I'd like to welcome to the TED stage the man behind those revelations, Ed Snowden. The crowd didn't know how to react. Ooh, ooh, yeah. A remote location somewhere in Russia uh, controlling the spot with, from his laptop so he can see what the bot can see Ed, welcome to the TED stage. What, what can you see, as a matter of fact? <laughs> I can see everyone. This is amazing. <laughs> it was too late. I saw everything. So he is on a telepresence bot. All right. So we saw, I've seen one of these like on Twit, where, yeah. where like Leo's walking around with the his eye, He's controlling with his iPad. Yeah. yeah. So is this one of those kind of, uh, those kind of things? Yes. Okay. And it honestly... So uh, we know Snowden has an iPad? It honestly <laughs> felt a little gimmicky. Um, and, and constantly the guy was like, all right, well, come with me over here. And then they would just do like a walk across the stage for no reason just to like show that they could. Uh, yeah. And then afterwards he went behind the scenes and like took pictures with people like what? through the bot, which I thought was weird. Like the whole thing seemed really kind of gimmicky. But uh, he uh, he pointed out he had, uh, you know, there's things over the over since episode 54 we've covered about the NSA program. Yeah. But what I think that gets missed a lot in the conversation it's so it's so obvious on its face that this, this all of these monitoring programs aren't really about mo- terrorism and monitoring terrorists is a component, but these programs are not fundamentally set up t- to deter that or yeah, stop that. They're right. just, just part of what they do. Right. And Snowden pointed out during that TED conference, look, these guys, it's never really been about terrorism. They've wanted these powers since the 90s. They tried to get them and couldn't. The Bull Run and Edge Hill type programs, the NSA asked for these authorities back in the 1990s. They asked the FBI to go to Congress and make the case. The FBI went to Congress and didn't make the case. But Congress and the American people said no. They said it's not worth the risk to our economy. They said it's worth too much damage to our society to to justify the gains. But what we saw is in the post-9-11 era, they used secrecy and they used the justification of terrorism to start these programs in secret without asking Congress, without asking the American people. And it's that kind of government behind closed doors that we need to guard ourselves against because it makes us less safe and it offers no value. Now, he touched on uh, two program names that the NSA has for monitoring citizens. And uh, I think we probably haven't thought enough about... Uh, wait, is it Google and AT&T? <laughs> and Yahoo. And Yahoo. You no, know, here's the names right here. The Bull Run and Edge Hill type programs... The- the Boron and Edge. Now, here's actually what those names mean. And when you hear what the names mean, it, it honestly, it disturbed me a little bit. I mean, this is, this is a story which I think for a lot of the techies in this room is the single most shocking thing that they have heard in the last few months. It's about um, a program called Bull Run. Could you explain what that is? So Bull Run, and this is, again, where we've, we've, got, to thank, uh, we've got to thank the NSA for their, uh, their candor. Uh, This is a program named after a Civil War battle. Uh, The British counterpart is called Edge Hill, which is a UK Civil War battle. So we have two programs designed to monitor domestic people, you know, citizens. Monitor? No, no. Let's break it down. Monitor us. Right. And they are named after Civil War battles. Okay. Think about 
the implications of those titles, what that means. Yeah. And it's not just the NSA. The GCHQ's program is also named after a civil war. And these are domestic monitoring programs. Well, they thought they were trying to be cute. I don't I, – mm. I think there's intention behind those names. You, I, I, think it, I think it betrays what those programs are really about. Uh, the British counterpart is called Edge Hill, which is a UK civil war battle. And the reason that I believe they're named this way is because they target our own infrastructure. They're programs through which the NSA intentionally misleads corporate partners. They tell corporate partners that these are safe standards. They say, hey, we need to work with you to secure, uh, secure your systems. But in reality, they're giving bad advice to these companies that makes them degrade the security of their services. Right, and we've seen them attack standards and weaken standards. Uh, and, you know, something we've heard them say a lot, but they're still saying, Snowden's still saying, he's saying, you know, we've seen a lot of reports, the biggest bombshell hasn't actually been dropped yet. But, um, you know, it's alleged that you, you've stolen uh, 1.7 million documents. It seems only a few hundred of them have been shared with journalists so far. Are there more revelations to come? There are absolutely more revelations to come. I, I don't think there's any, uh, any question that some of the most important, uh, some of the most important reporting to be done is yet to come i don't know what he means by that but i think it's pretty interesting that we've heard that a couple of times now and i'm waiting for you it know, i'm ready you know what really just frustrates me about this and it's not a grind my gears thing it's just that yeah i know we talk we've been talking about this for 40 weeks now ish no 38 40 weeks and the majority of the american public the majority of the people like and we were even listening to mm-hmm. it and hearing it on the radio today we mm-hmm. chris and i we were we were having a nice uh, early dinner and we were driving uh, down to uh, Big Stickies in, in Marysville. By the way, if you're over in the Pacific Northwest and you're and you're on your way up to visit the new JB One Studios, oh my God, we're gonna you know we need to take people there. Anyway, besides the point, yeah, we're listening to these drive home uh, DJ announcers rounding down, rounding down on the top five of five. And this and the uh, the recent NSA leak we're about to talk about. Yeah, they were discussing it. Yeah, and it's just like, well, you know, and at first we're like, uh, wow, this is awesome. They're actually talking well, about this. You, you jumped because your 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 I heard radar it. went off because you had it turned way down. And because like, we, we were just talking, we weren't really listening to the radio. Right. And, yeah. But then I started, you know, the keywords triggered, and it's like, oh, I just reached right over and turned it up. And as soon as I turned it up, they start, you know, oh yeah, yeah. they're talking about the NSA and, story. And then it then it went dumb. <laughs> yeah. It got real dumb. Yeah. Like it, it it falls into that rut that all these conversations go into. Whereas if I ain't doing nothing bad, why should I care? That's exactly what he said. Why should I care? They're monitoring me. I don't even use the phone. I don't even use the phone. And so you know what? Snowden addressed that question. Ed, one response to this whole debate is this. It's why should we care about all this surveillance, honestly? I mean, look, if you've done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to worry about. What's wrong with that point of view? Well, so the first thing is you're, you're, you're giving up your rights. You're saying, hey, you know, I don't think I'm going to need them. So I'm just going to trust that, you know, let, let's get rid of them. It doesn't really matter. That, you know, these guys are going to do the right thing. Your rights matter because you never know when you're going to need them. Beyond that, it's a part of our cultural identity, not just in America, but in Western societies and in democratic societies around the world. People should be able to pick up the phone and to call their family. People should be able to send a text message to their loved ones. People should be able to buy a book online. They should be able to travel by train. They should be able to buy an airline ticket without wondering about how these events are gonna look to an agent of the government possibly not even your government, years in the future, how they're going to be misinterpreted and what they're going to think your intentions. We have a right to privacy 
we require warrants to be based on probable cause or some kind of individualized suspicion because we recognize that trusting anybody, any, any government authority with the entirety of human communications in secret and without oversight is simply too great a temptation to be ignored. And that's exactly it. You never know when you're going to need those. Oh, Chris, he's he's talking crazy speak. I, you know, he this guy is a traitor, and he needs to be put to the stake because you know he stole from the American government. He stole from us. He he stole passwords and he and he espionage and he's a traitor. Well, I mean, if you feel that strongly about it, and I know you've been looking for work, maybe you want to take a job as a cyber warrior. Oh, you want to find out how you get that gig? I don't get that gig. This is an example of the new cyber warfare warning system that they are playing at the beginning of this clip. So if you're walking down the street yeah, okay. and all of a sudden your government systems go Wait under, a minute, get under are, cyber attack. Are we going to get like megaphones put up all over town with propaganda messages? This is essentially what they're suggesting. Oh my God. The UK is under attack. Its last line of defense, these 42 mostly men tapping away at keyboards. I, think, I don't think any of us are really that good at malware analysis. <laughs> it's not quite James Bond. Security experts say the threat is real and the UK is under-resourced. GCHQ, Britain's highly secretive and controversial spy agency, a part of an alliance with big business and the police big business. to recruit the best, the best computer minds. The best of the best. You know what I like? I like when big business and the police work together. Ah, uh, that makes me feel good. Yeah, well, it's a good partnership. It's a public-private <laughs> partnership and trust. What could go wrong? What could Nothing, Chris. Don't big you trust? Business and the police to recruit the best computer minds. After a year of competition, the final game is being held here in Winston Churchill's World War II bunker under the streets of London. Oh my God! What's this music? Partridge works for UK telco BT. They handle wow. every financial transaction in the country. Janky? This is a little sounds like a little janky. You gotta, little. you gotta, jive, you gotta jive it up a little bit to make. Bom, bom, a, this is the new industry we're promoting here. This is the new thing we're spending our money on. You gotta make it sound good, Chase. You gotta make it look good. You gotta make it look sexy. You gotta make it look good. Sound good. Country and one of the event sponsors. In the UK, we're faced with a big problem. There's a cybersecurity skills gap. Cyber, cyber skills gap. And you know, it's difficult, sometimes impossible, to find the right people. You know, I think these guys just need to come over to the Jupiter Broadcasting chat room because <laughs> no gotta, kidding. we have a bunch of cyber experts in our chat a room right now. great experts. <laughs> right, people. Oh, I want this track, <laughs> man. This is serious business. Oh. GCHQ agents who we can't show on camera and sit over their shoulder, marking their skills and judging their leadership. Oh, and the team I has love to that. go before an intimidating track. panel of real government and industry experts. Do you understand why I passed them? Why I read 
The winner was 19-year-old Will Shackleton. Where do you suppose Will? So okay, so wait, we, wait, Shackleton? Yeah, I I don't know much about the UK, but I know that I I want to say like in the early eighties or nineties, yeah, they had this entire line of Shackleton seats, and that's and not chairs. the same thing, is it? I don't know, but but the thing is, like Top Gear even made fun of it. Like the Shackleton seats are so easy to get in and out so of. So I'm showing you the video right now. Look at look how like nightclubby they make this look. Wait, right? They, they get a wait. Yeah. Just, that's this is look at how ridiculous this is. What, what is that? Wait, is that S scum news? So they, this is go the, back, go back, go back, go back. Look at the marker in the top bottom. Yeah, C scum news. C scum. Oh, C skunk. C S C S C U K. Skunk. Okay. Yeah. You, so look, and then they had so they've they've taken this old World War II bunker and they've added like party lights. Anyways, I'll put the video. Oh my god. Check out check out the overtime folder. If Where's you're, the chicks on poles? Where Where's the the hot? Mu- well, the music's good. Is this Ronald Jenkins' new track? No, no. Unfortunately, I don't think Ronald made any money. Oh. Uh, if you're an unfiltered supporter, grab the overtime oh my folder. God. How a spy agency recruits <laughs> future cyber warriors. Here, I'll play out just. It's only got a few seconds left. We got to. Oh, yes. Because, oh, I wanted you to guess. Where do you suppose the winner of this competition got a job? Oh, working for the government. So you have. No, I mean, that would make sense. That's what I was expecting. Right. right? Yeah. But you got to remember, this is government working with the private institutions. Oh, uh, he got a, a job with uh, McAfee antivirus. That would have been so good. <laughs> no, here, I'll, uh, I'll give you one more guess before I uh, play us out. You ready? You got okay. one more in you? Uh, no. Okay. He studies at Cambridge University. Yeah. He's just got a job at Facebook. This is me. Ah! And Holy so ultimately, it, it, it can lead to... You know, Google was my second in, guess. ...in cybersecurity. Wow. The new heroic face of a very 21st century threat. Yeah. Do-do-do-do-do. How great was that? That's a Bloomberg piece put together, but it sounded like it was from the BBC, but, or, you know. That was stellar, man. I know. That was really Whoever great. Whoever did the audio editing on that needs to get, a, like, a Grammy or They should that. go work for uh, Jeff over at that CNN. <laughs> Uh, so now we're gonna wow. now we're gonna go to the exact opposite of that clip, but it's actually gonna be some good information. Okay. Um, by the way, more information about Edward Snowden's talk at uh, oh, by TED the way, uh, and the uh, how to take back the internet. Right. Top ten. Things. I want to talk about one more thing about yeah. Ed, Ed Snowden, and it's okay. the whole uh, technical angle of how he's been brought into these conferences. Yeah. So obviously, first thing he was in uh, Google Hangouts, and the video audio quality was atrocious. It was just bad. And now they bring him in on this iPad system. Now, here's the thing. This iPad system that they are, we don't know if it was an iPad. They say but, he was controlling with his laptop. All right. What was he on? What was he done going into? Well, that I think is a Cisco system, but I'm not sure. Okay. Why didn't they just use that instead well, of a Google Hangout on the other one? I mean, yeah. he looked a lot better. For one. Well, they probably learned, right? They tried one way and they've learned from it. Plus, this is probably a system that Ted could spend money on because Cisco systems are expensive. By the way, the other thing, too, is uh, this is obviously trying to sell those systems. Yeah, yeah. This was so. Look for the hidden message. Can I? I mean, I wasn't going to do this. Where's right. this bacon from, Chase? Uh, by the way, this bacon from Big, Big Sticky's Barbecue. Because yeah, when we went in there, that's right. they gave us some bacon. They said, here's some conspiracy she, bacon. Dude, she snuck us a little conspiracy bacon. And by the way, it was so good. She said, don't tell the other customers. It was so good. It was so good. It was so good. It was real smoky. Uh, but yet still crispy. Yeah. Incredible. It, it chewy. had a good flavor. Uh, so, um, you know, when I – and I'll, I'll, I have linked the entire TED Talk in the video – in the show notes – the video of it is in there, and I want you guys, if you have the time, to watch it. It's about 30 minutes long, and I mean, I don't know, Chase, but what I do know is I know when somebody is presenting, when they're on, when they're on message, and Ed Snowden was definitely in presentation on message mode. He was pitching. He was absolutely 100% pitching. What is he pitching? 
I mean, all the words coming out of his mouth I agree with. Yeah, but what's he pitching? Uh, He's going to run for president? Skepticism of the government, dialing back of our intelligence agencies, uh, accountability Preposterous, of companies. Chris. He, he is a traitor. He's a traitor. He stole. He's a traitor, Chris. So what He's not if, a patriot. I remember, this is, this is conspiracy bacon. I, I'm, not, I'm not even trying to sell this bacon to anybody, but I think it's always good to keep a completely skeptical mind about everything, even stuff we're absolutely sure of. Right, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and you just reflect over what has been going on in the last year between the U.S. and Russia, okay? Yeah. And you look at one of the things you got to understand about Russia, specifically Putin, is they have a lot of really, really bad propaganda, obvious propaganda, and then they do some things that are master strokes, that are the the man- manipulation that only the U.S. Is, like only the U.S. is matched in pulling off. I mean, it's right. really top tier stuff. Yeah. What if Ed Snowden has been from the beginning somebody who legitimately was a a uh, an, a contractor for the NSA? But maybe Putin or somebody close to Putin bought him off and brought him over because now what Ed Snowden represents is he represents the voice of the of the U.S. citizen who is against what the Obama administration, what the Bush administration, what Congress is doing with these private companies, this kleptocracy that's developing in our nation. It's a bigger scope, Chris. He's against the entire structure of what it is right now. And in that TED talk, he did mention the Russian intelligence agencies twice, uh, which I thought was notable. But what if, and this is, again, I'm just playing devil's advocate, basically. I don't really buy this. Right. But what if he is, um, what if he's playing a greater role in, in the beginning of a propaganda war that we are seeing develop at a rapid pace right now with the situation in Crimea, the situation with U- the U.S., Russia? We are seeing a lot of things. What if this is like a grassroots way to delegitimize the United States and it's being financed by Russia, i.e. through buying off Edward Snowden, providing him protection, providing him lawyer assistance. But you know, the, the worst thing about that conspiracy, here's the worst thing about that. If if that is true, if that conspiracy is true mm-hmm. and, it, and anything gets leaked about that potential conspiracy. Well, they would just deny it. People would just say that's U.S. Yeah, propaganda. But not only that, though. I think he would actually it would lend him it would lend to hurt him he would, he would lose credibility. I I don't I think they could just spin it. They just say, "Well, that's just US propaganda saying that." Yeah, but you realize right now the the American media is really damn powerful and they they would spin it in but such see, a way to discredit him and then they would say, "Well, see, this was his this was his uh, no, idea no. all along." See, this is all part of this is all part of what they've brought into consideration because what Snowden is talking about is all legitimate. It's all true. So uh, even at the end of the day, you could say, "Well, burn the messenger, the facts that he is stating are true." And again, that would be if I was Putin and I was sitting back and I was orchestrating some sort of propaganda piece. I would find somebody like that. I would I would have an intelligence network that would identify people who were maybe willing to be pushed over the line. I would work them. Right. I would get them yeah. to take a position that they already believe in because those are the facts. Right. That's All true. those things he's reporting on are true. They're not made up. That's true. But it's pretty convenient that now he's in somewhere in Russia. He's been protected for a long time. He's making these video presents. They're getting a little gimmicky coming out on a robot on message. I mean, really, if you watch this TED yeah, talk he is on point. it's somebody who is pitching yeah. and you can pick it up and I, and again maybe he's pitching because he is totally passionate about these topics but the other thing that i find a little unsettling is he doesn't it does not feel like he brings any new type of insight to the discussion Everything he says is all things we've all read. Everything he talks about is common knowledge. It's stuff we've said on this show. It's it's stuff that's already been written by Greenwald and other folks. It's there's no 
original insight that's ever provided when he speaks. And every time I watch an Edward Snowden speech, I'm a, I walk away a little disappointed because I feel like I didn't learn anything new. Nothing it's, was it's really the same changed. Stuff being regurgitated. It's over stuff and we over. already know. Right. Use encryption. Turn on SSL everywhere. And it's never like I, there's never any. And he could claim, well, I'm letting the journalist do all the revelations. But even when it comes to his insights on the discussion, is he a traitor? Are these things lawful? Should we be monitoring? Even then, his ins. I, I do not feel like his insights are particularly original. I just feel like they're about in line with what I've heard a lot of people say. Yeah, especially people that you know are on the web. So, what do you think the potential next? There's there's two big things that are going to be coming up here with this. First off, whatever this n- more information that we're going to see from him. Mm-hmm. I mean, first off, all the information that we already know is pretty big, in my opinion. Yeah, and the next thing we're about to play is just, you know, it's something we all suspected, but here it's confirmation of it. What do you think is going to happen when uh, Edward Snowden's temporary asylum runs out? Because remember, it's only a year. and you know, I, But you got to figure in that year, the U.S. and Russia are probably going to be more at each other's throats than ever. So Are we going to have a new Cold War? Well, that's, we're going to get into that. That's what we're about to. I'm, into. I'm, I'm, I'm is, tossing is, it up to you. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you softballs. Yes. So uh, maybe, and so we'll see. I mean, it's a political. It's part of that geopolitical struggle right now. That Snowden is a is a component in this whole thing. Um, I want to talk about. So this next clip is totally the exact opposite of our last clip, but it's really good information, and it's about this new uh, program that was revealed by the Washington Post this week called Mystic. Uh, and it is a surveillance system. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a pinball machine that was made Sorry, in the Chase. 1980s. Sorry. No. Nope. Uh, this is a program that can, is capable of recording 100% of a country's telephone calls for a 30-day period. Here's the details from the guy that published the piece on the Washington Post. The program that we wrote about is the NSA's collection of entire country's phone calls, voice communications, for rolling buffers of 30 days in order to perform their mission. Right? This allows the NSA to go back 30 days in the past and look at or listen to phone calls that may have been made by people that they had no idea were suspects previously. The president recently, in January of this year, published some new guidance with regards to bulk collection. The new presidential directive that I've issued today will clearly prescribe what we do and do not do when it comes to our overseas surveillance. And in terms of our bulk collection of signals intelligence, U.S. intelligence agencies will only use such data to meet specific security requirements. The bottom line is that people around the world, regardless of their nationality, should know that the United States is not spying on ordinary people who don't threaten our national security. So, uh, yeah, uh, what it turns out, and this guy's going to explain this a little bit, is, and this has been a problem that we have tried to, I don't think we've discussed enough, but we've tried to, is all of this is interpretations of what these words mean. What the, What is the definition of search? What is the definition of what you're holding? What's the definition we take of what is, their pro- is? Exactly. It yeah. really is going back to what is, is, what is, is, is. And I think this guy gets it a little bit in the clip. And we take their privacy concerns into account. This guy, account. president. No, not him. This next guy. In our policies and procedures. This, this program is made possible by a very broad definition of relevant, right? They essentially allow... Um, 
information collected under a number of multiple different um, missions uh, to become justified such that they provide intel to the overall national security mission. They're also relying on a very narrow definition of collection, meaning that information that's um, recorded and put into buffers is not said to be collected until an analyst uh, examines it uh, or, or, or uh, takes a cut, for example. So that's um, when you're this, searching. This idea is that um, it's not spying until someone looks at it. The mere collection or existence uh, and gathering of this information, the mere recording of people's conversations is not collection until someone has actually seen it. That is so key to understand about all of these programs they talk about. If they say they're not collecting your information, what that means is they haven't entered your details into their selector screen and the agent hasn't retrieved that information from the database. They haven't typed it into their Google box. That doesn't mean they don't have it. Right. In it. And that's a very different kind of definition that I think what you and I would believe is collection. So this program highlights this trend, um, this move for the government to want the entire haystack uh, in order to find the needle. Yes. So they get collecting everything. And uh, according to the details of this mystic program, they what they also they consider this to be a voice interception program. It began in 2009 and they consider it a retro tool that is short for retrospective retrieval and related projects and research. They have the full capacity against uh, an entire nation since 2011. Uh, they've been planning the planning documents for two years later, anticipated similar operations elsewhere in the world. The initial deployment collection systems are recording every single conversation a nation that a nation makes, storing billions of them in a 30 day rolling buffer that clears the oldest calls as the new ones arrive. Now, what's interesting about that particular system, that is exactly how their PRISM Internet data collection program works. They have a three day buffer on the Internet, if you recall. And the way that works is it is a rolling buffer. There's a lot of logging systems in, in IT work like this too yeah. and it's simply due to storage limitations and as storage capacities increase your buffer increases and what they have what they have is three days for their systems to go through analyze the metadata when they find metadata that's important then they can decide if they just keep that metadata or if they need to extract all of the contents from that three-day buffer now in the terms of this program for the monitoring the phone calls they're just extracting everything now at the request of u.s officials the washington post is withholding details that could have been used to identify what country the system is being employed in now remember that one thing to also remember is before all these are published they go to the white house and they talk to them so they know what's coming uh the call buffer opens a door into the past this is according to a summary on one of the slides that was leaked by Edward Snowden, enabling analysts to retrieve audio of interest that was not tasked at the time of the original call. Analysts can listen to only a fraction of 1% of the calls, but the absolute numbers are high. Each month, they send millions of voice clippings. They Again, they send millions. They send millions of voice clippings or cuts for processing and long-term storage. Millions. Hey, but you know, Chris, if you're not doing anything wrong, you have nothing to worry about. Uh, the ubiquitous voice surveillance system, even overseas, pulls in a great deal of American content as well. Uh, as you might figure, Americans might be calling overseas. It's also inconsistent with Obama's January 17th pledge that, quote, the United States is not spying on ordinary people who don't threaten our national security. Well, you know, Chris, you know, when you're spying on an entire country, you're not getting an only terrorist. We don't, we don't care about your text messages. We, we don't care who you're talking to on the phone. We don't care. I'm not. Nobody's listening to your calls. Nobody's listening to your calls. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Uh, and uh, why? I don't understand. I just don't. I mean, I understand. You do. No, no. We talked I, about it in the car. You know, know what this is about. No, I, yeah, I tell know. Them, tell the people what you want me to fry the bacon or you just want to tell them. 
You know, I mean, if you got more bacon, it's about monitoring for civil disruption. Yeah, I, that's I, absolutely what it's about. It, it's honestly terrorism is a component. So is so is political inter- spying. And you know, and the reason why I didn't want to bring this up because it could sound very, very conspiracy ish. Why what, Chase? And the reason why else, I mean, look at the names of the programs. Yeah. Look at how long they've been. Wa- they've been wanting to yeah. do these programs since the nineties. In fact, some of these programs were in place but before why, September eleventh and, and just were suspended. Why aren't more people in up in arms over this? Why? Why? I mean, why? Why is it that? Well, we're you talking and I- an awful lot about a flight instead of talking about these actual issues. This story and and all of the recent NSA revelations we've covered have not been played out on mainstream media. Yeah, and they're talking no, about this true. flight right now. It's true. You're absolutely right. It's disgusting. No, and it, and it, and it's and it's frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating because I think it really is monitoring are, for political dissent. I think it is about. I think well, it's also about political blackmail. It's it's about you know uh, you know government it, contracts. It's, it's, it's also about, about feeding the military beast and just you know yeah. having something to do, having something to target. Like even even if you know for the first ten years it is only looking for terrorist links, it eventually will have to expand beyond that because the beast has to be fed. I think it's also the fact that internally, this is my conspiracy. Internally, I think the government recognizes. We are on the precipice of potentially economic collapse. Now, that doesn't well, mean it's going to happen. Well, we're, we're, we're borrowing more money than we can afford to. Look at the debt clock and, in New and York it just, City. Honestly, it goes, it goes much deeper than that. It goes, uh, we have a massive unemployment problem that we are completely whitewashing at this point. Uh, the, the Federal Reserve is still buying a ton of bonds. And that there is so many things going on. And you just never know what's going to happen. It could just take one particular thing to go wrong for something that bad to happen. So wouldn't it be great if, if things got really bad and we had to lock things down? Wouldn't it be great if we had a bunch of information that we had to track? Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be nice. And the thing is, is even if today that's not what it's used for at all, it just takes changing what selectors. There's no technological barrier to searching for an American citizen or picking up an entire city of people. It is literally down to the selectors the agent puts into the search field. And all you have to do is have a new policy to change which selectors you use. And if that policy is, we are in a state of emergency nationwide, we need you to change your selectors to this category, that's all that has to happen. There's nothing else that needs to change. And they've, uh, they've already shown they're willing to violate any kind of law or constitutional protections. Yeah. No, and, and that's and that's a dangerous thing. I mean, I I just, you know, I, I'm looking, I, I always talk about the money on this show. Yeah. And uh, this is, you know, this is this is in New York City, uh, but also you can go to the website. It's usdebtclock.org. And this shows not only the debt per state, but also by the country and the world. Right now, as we record this show, our national debt is 17 trillion not billion trillion dollars per citizen of the US the debt is 55,158 so your kids your three kids chris 55,158 each and by the way if they start becoming a taxpayer that goes up to 151,000 and it's these it's these kind of these kind of things that when you have numbers like this, when you have real unemployment close to 18%, when you have a record number of people that are working part-time jobs and working jobs that are substantially less uh, than what you have before, when you have an American population— With the food stamps. I mean, just look at everything that's going on right now. Not only that, you have an American population where uh, they are they are working in jobs uh, where— they, they maybe they they are continually working and they they've been employed for a while, but their pay is not keeping up with the uh, the the rate of inflation for or the example. cost of living. The cost of living. Yeah, uh, I know. I, it is so. I guess my point is, 
I think I think maybe Occupy Wall Street showed them that they need to have the ability to find out who is doing what and what's going on. And I think maybe that's part of what these programs could be used for if they're not already being used for that. Uh, but that's all just hearsay. I mean, we can only just look at what we've been monitoring since these revelations came out. Um, and honestly, even if it's even if it's not the case, it's worth thinking about and just keeping an eye out. We don't have to be paranoid or anything. We don't have to freak out, man. We don't have to freak out. I, I know we don't have to freak out, but you know, it, it's these kind of situations that affect someone like me, who I never thought in my wildest imaginations that I would be out as work as long as I have been. And it makes you second guess yourself, second guess your 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 what you're doing and, and your skills and, and your life and everything that's happening. And it's it, it you know when you hear about these government programs and you hear about these spying situations where they're recording everything you say. I mean, who knows in the future that ten or twenty years? Wow, Chase, you you yeah. seem to be really railing against what we're doing here in the government, and then all of a sudden now we have yeah. And everybody and people You're like make, yeah man I was unemployed at the time things weren't going that good and people that's make, the problem with having a record like this yeah and, and, and people may uh, say to you well you know maybe you shouldn't just talk you should just keep it inside and then you have the thought police and then you have these things that are dysentopian and I want to see in the movie I want to underscore something though I think something that non technical people overlook when they're talking about these NSA programs is they uh, non-technical people don't think about the fact that this these databases can last forever. They don't. They, yeah. These these they don't the think storage about is is can be technically just continually increased and I don't think people fully think about what that could mean long term. Um I think average citizens because they don't really think about how technology works, they don't really give it a lot of thought. It just kind of it's a surface level analysis. But if you think about what they could technically do by holding on to data like this for years and years and years as storage capabilities increase, it gets pretty creepy. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a scary situation. All right, we got to move on. We're going yeah, long. It, uh, it's I want to scary. I want to uh I got to here this will help clear it out. Chase. Oh, cuz oh. uh, we only got one new supporter last week for the unfiltered show there's two in the dock because we need to give a make good on a name uh but there's only we only got see this is what happened here's what happened is last week we're like all right if we get a bunch of new supporters we'll totally do a super short supporter segment next week and we did one and then we didn't get any new supporters but chris uh, people don't <laughs> like, uh, like oh, us, Jay! but they don't like us talking about uh the majority of the people who download the show don't like us talking about this so, and that makes me wonder is it because you feel Maybe I should call people out. Is it because you feel bad for not contributing to an independent source of media? Let me. You know what? I'll just do the pitch. Let me do the pitch. Here's the uh, thing. I want to just know. point something out. Um, if you've been watching the mainstream media this week, you've been seeing nothing but balls to the walls coverage of this missing flight. Playing gone. And here's why. Because when you do something that's advertising based, you need to play to the widest base possible. That way, the number goes up because the higher the number of downloads and streams you Ad get, revenue. Keep it, that coming. The, the more you get to charge the advertising. Keep it coming in. And this is not necessarily a bad thing for all shows because, like in the case of the Linux Action Show, it forces me to continually make that show better and better and better. And that's a good thing. But in a new show where we're discussing things like Snowden and all of this kind of stuff and all NSA, the Pelosi, frying bacon, Feinstein, who we need to be super serving are the people that are also interested in discussing these topics. And that's why we have the Supporters Club. Because what that is, is that is a, that is a base amount of people that pay into this show every single month five dollars that keep us on the air and when we sit down the people we have to satisfy are those people that 363 
exclusive group of people. That's all we need to care about is those guys. And so at the end of the day, you fundamentally yep. restructure your show. You restructure what you can and can't talk about, what you can and can't say. All of the equation there is different. To them. Yep. And it's 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 all about satisfying those supporters. And that's why if you go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com right now, click on Unfilter 90, scroll down when you see the buttons right there. Hit that $5 a month button, become an Unfiltered supporter, and you also get the perks. You get the BitTorrent sync, which this this week in the overtime folder is a bunch of great stuff, Huge. including that uh, House by Agencies Recruit Future Cyber Warriors clip. By the way, you just clip out that music, man. You can make that a really good dance party. Uh, and I also have all the source files for all of the show's notes, all of the stuff we talk about. I have art assets in there for these shows. On top of that, there's a separate BitTorrent sync and RSS feed of the supporter show. That's an extended show. It's an extra, a whole other show that we begin before we go on the air with this show it often includes relevant clips to every episode so if you listen to all of it you get even more information it also includes stories that we sort of either fold into the show or pour or pull back into the supporter show stuff we'll continue to cover that this show has touched on over the weeks that maybe just didn't fit in that week so the supporter show is a whole nother experience and everybody who subscribes says they absolutely love it and last but not least you also Get a weekly newsletter at the end of the show, some behind-the-scenes information, additional links. Anytime we need update feeds or BitTorrent syncs, all that stuff's in the newsletter. You know the you know the best thing about becoming an unfiltered supporter, Chris? You know the best thing is? What's that? They get to be part of a very small and special, unique community. Keeping us on the air. Where, you know, while yes, other people can give us your opinions and you give us feedback and you have and you've done that. However, they're the boss. They're the boss. The supporters are the boss. That's the end, at the end of that. That's the truth. All right. Well, I want to say a special thank you to uh, Jason H, who was our make good. Yeah. And uh, David, David H, H, who is our new supporter this week. Yeah. So thanks, you guys. You guys brought us up to 363 unfiltered supporters. We'd love to grow that number. Um, a couple of things in the back of my mind when we get to around the 500 level is uh, perhaps maybe two shows a week. And perhaps if we did that, also a producer to help us get additional clips and content. And if that started to happen, then I think we'd be in a good position. If we got that number up to like a thousand, I think we could probably go to video. That would be killer. And that so, I think would be really, then we'd be like a really well, unique we, product. And, and the thing we've, we've also talked about is maybe uh, change the, I know some of some people have asked, you know, how can they support via PayPal? And right now the only way for people to do that, they have to go to the Jupiter broadcasting donation page. And then they have to say, well, I want this to go towards unfilter there might be some changes and good changes in the future in how you guys could support us. We could have some updates coming. Yeah, we could. And so it's one of those things where we want to make it easier for you guys to support us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, you know, the the goal was to, you know, make this show sustainable for Chris to do this on a daily basis and yep. then to be able to maybe – I won't have to worry about looking for a job. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> that'd be that'd be incredible. And you right? know, right now, so what the base rate is essentially it's uh, it's paying my hours. Not really. I mean, it's pre- if I actually was going to say that, it'd be a pretty low hourly rate because it's a ton of hours going to the show. Probably more than you'd think. Really, I, probably a lot more than anybody out there ex- well, expects. Well, I, I don't think a lot of people. It's a multi day thing. You know, a lot of people may not necessarily <laughs> understand the scope of right. what's involved. There's so much. All those. The, the you know, it's funny is. Some weeks, uh, some weeks it is just it is just absolutely nuts every so, single night. So, so you know, here's the thing: people are t- the chat room right now is taking the the money. They're, they took that number, they multiplied it by five. They go, okay, well, Chris makes eighteen fifteen a month. Yeah, and then I they don't go, know, I don't think it's quite that. But and, well, well, there's also there's right, but they're also saying, well, then you only do this for eight hours. 
Well, that's very not true. <laughs> but but no, someone just said that. So like eighteen fifty yeah. for like eight hours. I don't know how to but, really describe it. I don't think anybody would believe the number if I. But, but see, a lot of people are not there. Here's the weird thing about it. Nobody, everybody listens to the show, and they go, "Okay, well, they include the the supporter show and the actual show and the post show. What two to three hours, right? And then they say times four. That's how many hours the show is." That's not true. No, not, because not, even, first, a, not <laughs> even a fraction. Because first off, you have the time before before anything happens where yeah. Chris is at well, the computer. I, I'll, here, I'll just explain no, it No, yeah, you. please. So like uh, Sunday night after I get the Linux action show done, first okay. thing I do after I eat, I start looking for unfilter clips. Yep. Right after I'm – and I work on last. I start at 7 a.m. on last and I work and I get it out about 5 o'clock. About an hour after that, I start working on filter. Right. Monday evenings, I usually spend about three nights going through clips. Yep. Tuesday, after Cybite gets out, I usually spend about 45 minutes to an hour. Wednesday, I start about 6 a.m. I work all day until we go live, usually about 6 p.m. And then I usually work until about midnight. And usually I'll spend a few hours Friday night seeing if there's anything that broke since we covered our show and clipping that. Okay. So I don't know how many hours that is, but it's a lot of work. Right. And, and, then, and the reason I do it is because it's my passion project. Right. I want to follow all these stories anyway. And, and, and don't forget, then you have your production costs where you have to uh, handle the servers. you got to handle the file storage. You have to handle the bit sync. Then you mm-hmm. have to handle your time when it comes just actually doing the technical work, editing, putting the posts up, putting the tweets out, doing the artwork. There's also the opportunity cost. I mean, spending all that time working on one show is not really rational from a business standpoint. And it's also... It's a massive commitment to spend all day Wednesday working on this show when I'm trying to get a new yeah. studio up and running. Yeah, and and the, that's the, a big opportunity cost too. That it's hard to put a price tag on that, especially yeah. when you're a small business who's really like already working a lot. And and that's why I I think Chris, if if we you know maybe reformulate the the supporter stuff to the, to the new thing that we've talked mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. where not only it gives people different different levels that they feel comfortable with but it can also help be that viral effect where i think up, what we need to do is come up with a way to demonstrate the amount of work that goes into each episode because because i i all, all people see and and there are some people in the chat room that have done this is all they see is a number yeah. they multiply it by a value and they think oh well, well this and is to be what- fair we go on air and we kind of make it look easy I mean, because, you know, we want it to be a good show. Right, that's true. So we don't, you know, a lot of the people don't realize the amount of work that you have to do ahead of time to make it go as, as smooth as, and flow as well as it does. But at, at the end of the day, you know what I come back to, and this is going on way too long. I know. What I come back to is I really don't require everyone to pay. It's really not my thing. No. It's just people who find this valuable and maybe can sort of empathize, empathize a little bit with the amount of work that goes into yeah. it, and they have the $5 a month to spend. Those would be the people I'd like to consider subscribing and becoming an filter supporter and and you know everybody figures in you know you know chris's costs in in this well, i i'm not you know i mean i'm 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 providing my input you know i, I come and visit chris every week and yeah he gives me meat but <laughs> that sounds really I'm bad just, that was for that's that's something we talk about in the post show that's the post show <laughs> but no honestly you know we won't we want to get to a point where we got this and we got how to linux and you know i could just i could just do this with chris Mm-hmm. That 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 is our ultimate dream, right? So, so it's one of those things, you guys, where you know not everything is as simple as it looks. And if you really want to support independent content, you want to support us, and you want to support the potential even bigger futures that this show can provide, consider becoming a supporter. There you go. There you go. That's the pitch. That was a long pitch. Sorry about that. But no, hopefully, but, it, but it's important. Yeah, because a lot of people they just look at a number. They don't understand the real yeah. passion behind the number. I bet those people, a lot of them have never owned their own business. And that's, you know, it's maybe a dick thing to say, but I think that changes your perspective on the value well, of time. Well, you, you, know, you know how many times I've heard, 
This this we should we should oh, we should I I we know should. we should go on we can go to the post show we should we can we talking about the post show I know but I you know what I hate I hate when the, what grinds my gears is when people say you should go get yourself a real job You're like I'm trying to make one I'm trying to create one right but no no you should go get a real job oh okay go ahead Chase <laughs> Chris you you last time I checked I'm really doing this <laughs> no no Chris you you should go out there and and uh, just just you know all right but that's what people that's what people people. And that, people, is what grinds my gears. Tom? I hate that. All right, so uh, we got to move on it. because uh, in in the last three weeks, the situation in Ukraine and specifically Crimea has been moving extremely fast. So Scott's going to update us on what's going on. In another major story breaking tonight, the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, annexed part of Ukraine, ignoring the warnings of President Obama. In an emotional speech, Putin said Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula has always been an integral part of Russia in the hearts and minds of people. Of course. And they threw a heck of a party when uh, Putin brings Crimea in. He signed. They have a signing party. They make it all fancy. In oh, Moscow yeah. today, just like that, Vladimir Putin signed a document and made it official. And now tonight, Crimea belongs to Russia. Even though the U.S. is calling this a land grab, there's nothing anyone can do about it. And the majority of local opinion seems to support it. And for the two leaders here, Putin and Obama of the U.S., they now seem to be assuming public roles we haven't seen since the Cold War. We get our report tonight from our chief foreign affairs correspondent, Andrea Mitchell. Vladimir Putin, today emotional, strident, delivering his version of Russian history to a cheering Kremlin crowd, accusing the U.S. of breaking promises, expanding NATO to Russia's borders, cheating over and over. And in Red Square, declaring that Crimea is finally heading home to Russia. While Putin's deputies ridicule the U.S. sanctions in tweets addressed to comrade Barack Obama. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about those sanctions here in a second. But so in the last three weeks, I think something really interesting has happened. So I want to flip this. Let's do a little thought experiment here. So okay. uh, Washington State. Yes. Uh, we're, we're hanging out in Washington State. And all we're of a sudden, to Canada. we witness a coup right in there in D.C., uh, the top level of the, you know, like the Obama administration is just swapped out. Pushed out. And uh, pretty much Congress is pretty much the same. The same jerks are in and there the now. And the NSA has taken over. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. Yeah, let's go let's, with that. Let's say the intelligence, some intelligence agency, the CIA, overthrows. They they feel that they can run the country right. better than the current administration. Right. Okay. So Washington here, we're, we're like, oh man, that seems no. like, a, that seems like no. a bad deal. No way. They're going to shut down our legal weed. And so what we, we decide, you know, I think we're going to succeed. But what we want to do first is talk to our buddies up in Canada. And we get them to send their military down here first. Because if we announce we're going to succeed without having any kind of backup, the federal well, government well, wouldn't. first off, we'd let them set up a, a military outpost where they could do training <laughs> right, yeah, exercises, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in the north end. But, you know, like if we if like Washington just pulled out, the federal government would be like, I don't think so, son. Hold on. But if we bring Canada in first and line the borders, well, then the federal the federal government's like, well, we're not going to fight you. Yeah. And it totally changes the calculus. It, it completely by Putin bringing those people in first before all this went down, before they before they voted, uh, before Putin signed the document. By bringing those troops in first, they fundamentally changed the starting point that the West had to start from. Right. They moved the starting line to we already have troops there. And now, until this point, no one has been shot. Now that has changed. 
uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but this has been a very fast and smooth operation. You move in, you secure the territory, then Crimea passes with a landslide vote, which even if it's manipulated, it's still likely to be the vast majority, something like Something like that, a 90% turnout and 87% of people voted to su- to succeed to Russia or something succeed, like that. Succeed, yeah. Something incredible like that. And all of this happens, then Putin signs the document, and boom, 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 within three weeks. That's incredible. It's amazing. I mean— Why can't our government work I'm not that saying, well? Exactly. I mean, I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, that's pretty impressive. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's a good thing, but I think it's pretty damn impressive. And the worst part is the U.S. response has been totally toothless. The other big news of this evening, Ukraine. It was game on between the two superpowers today after Crimea voted to break away from Ukraine. President Obama and Russian President Vladimir Putin locked in a kind of duel and economic pain is the weapon. So what happens next? Here's ABC chief global affairs correspondent Martha Raddatz. We're making it clear that there are consequences for their actions. The sanctions he launched today targeting, among others, a who's who of Putin's close associates, 11 in all, hitting them financially, freezing their U.S. assets. But the reaction from Russia? The deputy prime minister tweeting that some prankster came up with the list. And even the State Department was unable to say whether any of the Russians on the list had any U.S. assets. <laughs> totally worthless, right? Wow. Just totally toothless. And of course, McCain is all fired up. He's hitting all of the oh, news outlets. Man. McCain's argument is, hey, how about instead of doing sanctions against Russia, let's arm the, the Ukraine? Uh, the president said we will, quote, consider other options. The president should have said we're going to provide military assistance to Ukraine, and that will be in defensive weaponry. McCain's always the give him weapons guy, isn't he? He's weapons. Always, he always wants to send in the weapons. He must be getting. I mean, he must be work. He must be working for a weapons manufacturing <laughs> company. Like they must be paying. Check the, check the lobbying bills. Yeah, check, yeah. check those contracts. Uh, and of course, with these with these uh, toothless sanctions, Putin's not too concerned. President Obama made clear today that there would be stiffer sanctions if Putin makes another move. But Putin is clearly not concerned about what happened today. It was just over four hours after President Obama announced the sanctions that Putin officially recognized Crimea, Diane, as independent from Ukraine. So sanctions go in and Putin's response, he signs that document welcoming Crimea to the Russian map. And he, he already contacted Google to have yeah. him update the maps. <laughs> and uh, I got to say, it seems like acceptance uh, was high in Crimea. There was partying, uh, celebrations. Well, there's been some sort of jubilation, uh, of course, all across Crimea. It is pretty calm uh, in the central of Simferopol, although all pretty much all pubs and restaurants are filled with people celebrating this historic day. We've seen scenes coming from the uh, Sevastopol from from Yalta and cities in the south of the peninsula where uh, people watched live broadcasts from Moscow from the uh, president's address uh, to the federal council and uh, there's been some jubilation there definitely. They have been pretty much in celebration mood for two days and we're expecting this to continue. Certainly it's been a very sensitive issue for uh, the whole region. Out of 1.5 million people who were eligible to vote in this referendum um, a little under 1.3 million voted and 1.2 million voted for uh, joining Russia. So you see that overwhelming majority of the people here have been supporting this idea and for them certainly this is a joyous day so so so, so chris huge turnout so chris let me just say this if, if this is what the people want yeah and they want to join russia yeah what's the big deal u.s isn't going to have it the united states position on that referendum i must say is clear and it's clear today 
We, we want our oil. Actually, I, I think well, that's we should do this from now on. It's clear, and it is clear today. Listen to this. Wait. It's clear, and it's clear today. I think we wait, should just wait. Like, it's oh. clear, and it's clear today. I, wait. Wait, 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 wait! Is he talking about the weather? Is he, is he <laughs> no. doing a weather forecast? No. You know it's clear right now, and it's clear today. Is clear and it's clear today. today. We believe the referendum is contrary <laughs> to the Constitution of Ukraine. Is contrary to international law. Is in violation of that law, and we believe it is illegitimate. And as the president put it, uh, illegal uh, under the Ukrainian Constitution. Neither we nor the international community will recognize the results of this referendum. So there's John Kerry saying it's illegitimate, it's against their constitution, and we don't recognize it. But it goes back to the same thing, right? This was an independent uh, region or whatever. They, they, they came to a vote. Yeah. They decided by overwhelming margin they are seceding away yeah. and they're joining up with somebody else. It's like a player saying, you know what, I'm not going to sign with the Seahawks. I'm going to go sign with the Detroit. They allege there's some foul play. Oh, they're saying that the vote didn't ca- that the vote was invalid. Foul, yeah, and they're also saying that how dare Russia move in? And if I think you know McCain's point is, uh, in fact, I got here's another McCain clip. McCain says we need to change tactics, so maybe we need to just sort of try something else. Okay. I, it, it, well, I, I don't know when the president <laughs> and his advisors are going to wake up to. Hold on, let's do that again. Did you hear how we started out? I forgot I left that part in. I usually clip that out. I I don't know when the president and his advisors are going to wake up to what Putin is really all about. We've got to start with a fundamental reassessment of our relationship with him. And the United States has many, many options that, as the strongest and most powerful nation in the world, could employ, ranging from beefing up NATO to... now uh, he's saying beefing up NATO that would uh, that would sort of uh, encircle Russia. That would obviously uh. provoke Putin. Listen to when he's when he's about to talk about uh, restarting the missile defense systems that we shut down. He almost uses the word provoke and stops himself. Listen, beefing up NATO to provoke. Uh, Did you hear it? Provoke. Provo- uh, Provo- re- resuming construction of missile defense systems in Provoking the Czech Republic missiles. in Poland Pro- uh, to because redeploying those missile defense systems would provoke him. That's why right. beefing up NATO to provo- uh, re- resuming construction of missile defense systems in the Czech Republic in Poland to uh, a broad variety of options. But we must commit ourselves to long-term freedom and independence of Ukraine, of the Iraqis. and that oh. means including Crimea. Oh, of course, right. Uh, and uh, maybe, maybe if we weren't going to just send weapons, like maybe, maybe a better way to go would be. I don't know. Maybe send troops. You think that weapons ought to be uh, approved to support Ukraine? You were. In- this is Andrea Mitchell on her MSNBC NBC show, and you can hear she's even struggling how to phrase this question to, so that it doesn't sound absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. You think that weapons ought to be uh, approved to support Ukraine? You were in Kiev this in Kiev this weekend. Uh-huh. Is that what they want? They want defensive weapons from the United States. 
uh, they want it very badly. They, their, their military capabilities have been dramatically uh, eroded over the last several years under Yukonovich, and they need uh, capabilities with which to fight. Uh, in other words, you could give them anti-air equipment. You oh. could give them anti-tank. Okay. Now, what could, if we were maybe going to give them he, – he's always talking about anti-air. He always wants to do anti-air. So that's he loves pr- that anti-air That's probably stuff. where the money's coming from. Right. But then I thought, you know, he just kind of casually says, oh, you know, send troops. You could help up their training. One of the things that I would do is send some of our military to Kev and find out how we can best uh, assist them. You know, whenever we send the military, it's always a big help. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the thing, too, you know, we, we don't – it's not like we end up staying for a long period of time either. Yeah. You know, we're in. We're we in, do some we're training. Out. We're out. We, we, it's we kind of like, you know, people. when we know I've done, you know, guns consulting work, you go to a business, you say, hey, I'm going to show you how to yep. install the this, this system and So what's out. been looming in all of this is uh, – the U.S. blew our credibility with the whole Iraq thing. Putin has mentioned Iraq and Libya so many times, like in his speeches. It, and every time we start talking about invading a sovereign country, the Iraq name gets dropped. And we blew our credibility big time on that weapons of mass destruction. I wish they would have come up with a better excuse. And what McCain wants us all to do is sort of pivot how we think about Russia. He says we need to think of it more as a gas station. Russia is a gas station masquerading as a country. It's kleptocracy, it's corruption, it's uh, a nation that is really only dependent upon oil and gas for their economy. Now, is he talking about the U.S. and the petrodollar? If I I start the clip right here... It's kleptocracy, it's corruption, it's uh, a nation that is really only dependent upon oil... I, that could be about the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and he, if he's talking about a gas station being corrupt, what are you implying that all our gas stations are corrupt here, Senator? Russia is a gas station masquerading as a country. <laughs> Russia saying, is a gas station masquerading as a country. What he's saying is that they make all wow. they make all their money off off of uh, gas, oil, and natural gas sales. All right, well, wait, let me ask you: How does uh, Qatar make all their money? Oh, right? <laughs> right how does Saudi Arabia yeah, yeah, make all their money? Uh, what backs the U.S. dollar? It's it's the whole petro industry. It's, yeah. it's they have to, you have to buy oil. You have to buy oil with U.S. dollars. That's 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 why we get the reserve currency status, and that's what hold, that's why we get to spend the money we get to spend is because at the end of the day, you want to buy oil, you got to use U.S. dollars, and if you don't, you're gonna have a problem. Wow, wow, Senator. I know. Wow. That's just a gas station. Uh, now, uh, I don't That's wanna... not provoking, by the way, either. I mean, those kind of comments. No. no that Coming from a top senator who almost became president, that, that is not a provoking statement at all. No wonder why Putin's pissed. And so there was, uh, there was finally in this three-week um, saga a, a fatality. In Crimea's capital, actually, I think there might have been a couple of fatalities. In Crimea's capital, the exchange turned deadly. Gunmen dressed in Russian military uniforms stormed a base, killing a Ukrainian soldier, the first known casualty of the conflict. Russia, seemingly oblivious to U.S. and European threats of economic consequences for annexing Crimea. President Putin's very dug in. I mean, this speech today was really over the top, and in my opinion, really ends the post-Cold War era. What do you think? Whoa. I think we're there. I think yeah. we are there. I think, I, think, I think we've actually been there for a little while, but it just hasn't been out in the open. I think it's now out in the open. Um, and, you know, the, the media this, is... But, but what the Cold War implies, though, is now we should be, f- be fearful of, like, Chris, now we need to re-stir uh, up the propaganda now that you mm-hmm. need to have uh, dig a little hole in your house uh, mm-hmm. for that nuclear cellar that you need to have, you mm-hmm. know, in the studio. You need to have... You know, you we got to worry about... Uh, forget, the, forget, the, forget the booth. We need to make that a, a, a bunker. A, a bunker. Hey, there's an email in there that kind of actually fits this topic. Do you want to pull that up? Because- yeah, no, it's... it's 
it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, but basically, this came into our unfiltered subreddit, and this was a a slice of conspiracy bacon regarding the situation in Ukraine. Okay, here I'll play you a this little was... bacon back. Uh, and by the way, uh, this bacon came in from our local butcher, Savannah oh. Meats. Man, they're so good. This is the extra thick with pepper with uh, with additional bacon bits inside the bacon. Nice. <laughs> All right, what do you have to say? Um, I've been pondering the Ukraine situation. It seems like the media is playing up the communist leanings of the people in Crimea, as well as painting the protesters and the new government in Ukraine Ukraine as neo-Nazis. I have no idea if either of those are true, but it seems to me that there is a great deal of fear-mongering regarding Russia and its plans to annex Crimea. We're starting to see the threats from the Obama administration, as well as sanctions, with further sanctions threatened, with President Obama saying that Russia risks alienating themselves from the rest of the globe. It seems like we're seeing places, uh, pieces in motion to begin the Cold War anew. The public has gone weary of the war on terror. The Iraq war is over. The Afghan war is nearing its end. Combat operations in the Middle East are coming to the end for the most part. That is boots on the ground, not necessarily a horrific drone war being raged though the war is being raged largely out of the public view. Very few in the U.S. really know what's happening. So for the average Joe in the U.S., we're seeing the tide turn against the high life uh, for the past 13 years, raking in the cash. So what happens now? Surely they're not going to give up their most profitable revenue streams. Hmm. <laughs> so we do we, So we do what we do. Well, let's whip the public into a frenzy over Russia. Paint the whole thing as imperialist grabs, coupled with the reinsurgence of the communist fervor. The war on terror ends, the public is appeased, but the military-industrial complex gets to keep chugging along. Cold War 2.0. What do you think? You think that's where we're at? It, it is an incredible theory, and it, yeah, and it kind of makes sense because you know right now. Things are winding down, right? We've already talked about, hey, well, we need to wind down troops here. We need to start maybe potentially closing bases. I mean, you know. Right, yeah. And uh, um, I think uh, I think we've been building to this tension for a while now. And I think it, uh, some people like the, the, the book I, I've mentioned before, The Next 100 Years, you know, they've clearly – he clearly saw this coming because as Russia just sort of becomes a big economic power again, they have to sort of – Naturally, when nations get to this point, they just start reasserting themselves. Um, and you know what? I welcome it. I I celebrate it. I think it's great. Why? I think it's I think uh, I think it's so much better than pounding the sand rats. And I don't mean to sound racist, but I know that's what they call them. I those people those people are desperate. They are they have been screwed over by one nation after the other for decades, and they're angry, and right. they're completely outmatched. And we're killing them and their civilians, and it's awful. It's the worst of us. The war on terror has brought out the absolute worst in the United States of America. It has turned us to a country for the worst. However, when we have a Both real— internally and externally. Yeah, yeah. And, our, and people, the way people see us around the world, the policies we've implemented, the Patriot Act, the NSA overreaches, all of it stems from the war on terror. It has been one of the biggest black marks on the history of the United States. However, when we've got a real foe, Somebody who's a match and perhaps maybe even a little better at the game than us, that's when we're at our best. That's when we create jobs. That's when we innovate. And yes, bad things still happen. Lives still get ruined. But that appears to be the way it's going to go either way. And at least with this, it's a legitimate fight. It's a real fight. But here's the other sad thing about it, though. While it is, yes, a legitimate fight, and I agree with you that it is looking that way and turning into that, 
it's not going to stop the NSA from even increasing their plans. I know that's the downside. And, is and that, it's yeah. not going to it's not going to cut down. We it, still have to fight all that. It's going to get even worse, I think, because Maybe. if this becomes a true foe and a true enemy and something that we need to combat and we need to get in there and do something about, then they're going to say, "Well, look what's happening here. We need to do these See, things." The thing is, they don't have the red scare, the communism anymore. So, like back then, you know, you could have had you could have had communist infiltrators, and now, see, the thing about terrorism, the justification of the modern program is anybody could be a terrorist, anybody could be a lone wolf. If you pull away from terrorism and you focus more on Putin, you focus more on the the Russian Empire. Maybe you can dial back well, some Chris, of that spying. It's not going to be about the nuclear bomb anymore. It's going to be about the cyber bomb. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's going to be about hey, right. we need to protect our infrastructure. They're going to screw over the internet. They're going to send an, an agent over and and hack into it. You're going to hear terms like hacking Maybe. into systems. Maybe. And- Maybe I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying I'm glad it's going to happen. But I'm I, if we're going to fight somebody, which apparently is what we have to do. Apparently, there's no no way to have peace. Can't just have peace. Got to have bases everywhere. Got to have an enemy. Yeah. Got to have a boogeyman. Got to have something to scare people about. I'm just glad it's not going to be the terrorists anymore because I this has been but, one of the most weakest propaganda campaigns that we've had, and it's way past its due. Wait, Chris, it reeks. It's spoiled. We need Chris, to send it out, and we need to focus on the Russians because they're scary. And maybe we could get a little China fear going too because them Chinese. But no, no, Chris, Chris, right. you're missing the the other thing here though. It's not going to eliminate the terrorist thing. It's just going to be another tool in their arsenal. God, I know. It's going to be another thing because here's here's another reason why the the plane situation, uh, the Malaysian flight is still in the news because every fifth or sixth bullet point, it's a terrorism. We we cannot eliminate the possible fact that it's terrorist. And then what happens? Every other paragraph is nine eleven. This or you know maybe maybe someone took over the plane and pushed it down into the field, Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. So we don't know. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's I think it's probably too optimistic to assume we would just stop like the terrorism boogeyman. But it's I, not. It's not going to. I bet it wouldn't become a central piece of like our our national security strategy and the talking points of all of our politi- politicians. I mean, I'm I'm just waiting for that to fade away. I'm so done with what it. I, what I want to know is this: How long did it take after the bombing at Pearl Harbor? Did it take? For the government and the news organizations stop, yeah. to stop bringing up Pearl Harbor, I I, I was don't it, was I don't it know a generation sure. was it a twenty five year thing? I've seen stuff twenty five years after the fact where they're still talking about it, right? But <laughs> but the thing we is, still talk about I mean, it sometimes. We do we 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 celebrate celebrate is a, is a rough term. I'm sorry, but we still recognize the bombing of Pearl Harbor, right? We still talk about yeah. D Day. It's never going to go away. We still talk about September 11th. You're making you're turning my optimistic thing into like this dark thing where it's just going to be more of everything. And I'm not all of the above. Right. And that's and that's one thing I I want to be optimistic with you, but in doing this show for the past 90 episodes, yeah. I do realize that the big propaganda machine now loves to have more tools in their arsenal to keep it going. The more stuff to spend money on, more contracts that need to be signed. Well, and more more Fox more News weapons alerts, that need more, to be built. more CNN breaking news ins. You know, all yeah. these all these things they they add to the big bullet point of the huge machine, and that is to a keep you scared, and to keep you not really truly informed. I think though, I do think we could see a sunsetting to to an, to an extent. I don't think terrorism goes away. I don't think the TSA packs up shop and and goes home, but I think you stop having like these terror alerts. I think maybe you stop having like these really big things because now it's going to be about Russia. It's going to be no. you know just the narrative is going to be stronger there. I don't know. Well, remember we did get rid of the color system where it was yeah. red, green, just kind of got rid purple. of that quietly. Yeah, because you know that was just confusing. It's orange alert time. Be careful. 
But then again, you know, we still see these fear updates. We we saw them leading up to the Olympics where yeah, they worked you know, them in. Yeah. Watch out to, for yeah. the toothpaste pump. Watch out for your antivirus on your laptop. Chris. <laughs> that was a good one. You know, so it's one of those situations where I'm with you. I'm hoping to that that we can maybe make a transition to a true foe. Yeah. But no, it's just going to be another tool. I think I think the focus on terrorism has made the U.S. sloppy. I think it's let Putin just run this thing, ram it right through over everybody. Well, remember, Chris, it's all about perception, right? Maybe behind the scenes, this has always been been. Well, we know because of the leaked call we've played that the U.S. manipulated the this coup, and that they helped put those people into power, and we know that's a fact, and they did a good job at doing that. Yeah, and so we know they the U.S. has been involved with this overthrow of the of the democratically elected president, Um, and so. We seem to be okay at doing that part, and then it's the follow-through, where as soon as those people are in power, we really seem to suck. And, like, they become horrible dictators, Chris, may- they abuse their people. This is another conspiracy. Maybe maybe it's intentional it to suck so we can keep the military and industrial complex going. Well, I don't know. But I know that Joe's over there talking real tough about what's going on. Flying overnight tough. to calm Ukraine's neighbors, NATO's newest members. The vice president sounded like a cold warrior, accusing Putin of a brazen land grab. Many Russian experts argue Putin would have gone after Ukraine no matter who was in the White House. But this fight with Putin now endangers any cooperation with Russia on Syria or Iran. So far, the only clear political winner seems to be in Moscow. Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, Washington. The only winner seems to be in Moscow right now. What are they talking about? What's his name? I can't remember. Was he a boxer? I think he, uh, Vlizen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Vlizen or something like that. Lichtenstein. Uh, More information in the show notes, including why Russia no longer fears the West uh, from Politico. Uh, Unknown, the um, information there about the snipers. uh, uh, Quick beat is uh, uh, these snipers appear to have been using the same techniques that the previous snipers used. So there's some questions there. And uh, some people are worrying that perhaps Putin won't end with Crimea. Perhaps he'll move into more of Ukraine, although he claims he won't in his signing speech today. But you just don't really know, Chase. You don't really know until it happens. And if it does happen, we'll probably talk about it on a future unfiltered. You know, and we, we definitely do. Now, one of the great things about this show is what I like to call community involvement. What? Where you can get involved in the conversation, submit stories into the show. Maybe it could be that offbeat story from your local newspaper or your local neck of the woods in the in the country or state that you live in. And you can submit them all over at unfiltered.reddit.com. Unfiltered.reddit.com. Last ch- last week, Mr. Chase. Yes, sir. You made a prediction. You've had my pen all episode. I love this pen. That's a Fisher I, pen. I know. It's so fun. Uh, you made a prediction of 1,212. Well, you know what? I mean, pencil I can write I, down. What's your name? What, what sucks is I, I, sold, I totally missed the mark. Oh. 1,229. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm dead serious. Wow, you got a prediction for next week? Wow, well, you know what? I got to go. It, it's tough because I don't know what number to go with next. Maybe 35? Um, 36? 36 is a good number. I like uh, 37. I like, I'm going to go 12, 36. Oh, okay, here we go. So remember, tell your friends and your family, head over to the Unfiltered subreddit where you can submit your stories, yep. engage in the conversation. Also join us live, jblive.tv on a Wednesday. We start around usually 6, 6.30 p.m. And it's a great time. Jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get it in your time. It's zone. us in the chat room where we chat it up. Chase, yes, I wanted to follow you throughout the week. Where should I go? Uh, you can go to Twitter, at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S, where nice. I tweet out my thoughts and things that are happening in the world. And Chris, you do the same thing, right? I represent the Linux Action Show, Chris L-A-S, on the Twitter. Last. That's what that stands that for. That is not the L-A airport. 
No, that's LAX. I know, but people still get it. LAX is Las Vegas. You doing any shows online? I do. I do content of gaming-related items at geekgamer.tv. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, I do a Minecraft show. I talk about technology and gaming and all that fun jazz. Well, look, guys, we'd love to have you join us live, wouldn't you? Won't you? Because that makes it so much more fun. Oh, we love the community. Yeah. 357 of you in the chat room right now every single Wednesday here on jupiterbroadcasting.com. And I hope we see you right back here next week. week.